The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Stock Doc. Today, uh, we've got a very special guest, Craig Sheaf. Uh, Craig started out as a chartered accountant with KPMG before he moved into funds management all the way back in the 1990s. Craig's been living and breathing capital markets since then and has a wealth of experience investing through many different market cycles. Craig's founded his own investment firm in 2006 uh, called Technical Investing. And Technical Investing currently manages money for family offices, high net worth individuals. And Craig, the fund's only up, what, 50% this year? Yeah, it's been a good year this year. Yeah. Well, look, Craig, thanks very much for speaking with us. You're a little bit of an enigma in the investment world. You generally stay a little bit under the radar. And you focus on major themes, major trends as your investment thesis. But you also mix it up with this technical analysis. So very briefly, Craig, you mix fundamental analysis and technical analysis. How does that work? It's an interesting point you make. The two sound different, but they can work quite well together. So uh, as a background with a chartered accountant, had the knowledge to analyse a company, look at return on capital, etc. But I was finding when you looked at those businesses, often the timing of investing in those was difficult uh, through fundamental analysis. So this is where the technicals came in. So we use it as a timing tool as to when to buy and sell and risk management. And we have a macro overlay, which is mainly on the market itself to decide, are we in a bull trend? Are we in a bear trend? If we're going to go through a GFC, then we need to change that positioning. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do with fundamentals, but technicals uh, you know, can really help with that. Mm-hmm. And so this is also called charting, isn't it? Yeah, charting, behavioural finance. It's really looking at how the masses behave and through using a bunch of tools like looking at a chart, the sentiment, the volume, and a whole bunch of other tools. One can actually analyse when people get to extreme bullishness or extreme bearishness, and they're very useful inflection points to analyse when you should be investing in or out of the market. And as we said earlier, you've been investing in technology stocks since the early 1990s. You invested through the dot-com boom as well and came out the other end. What are some of the major themes and trends that you're seeing in the technology space? Yeah, that's correct. I've been investing in tech for a long time and it's changed a lot over the, over the years. And the interesting, I think, inflection point over the, the past probably 10 years has been the cloud. It's really meant that a lot of businesses, a lot of small businesses can now become larger businesses and take on the world far quicker than it could have previously. And it's really enabling a lot of small Australian companies to become global companies and, and partner global companies um, through the cloud. Mm-hmm. If you're at liberty to say, what are some of the, the stocks that you're holding, some of the technology stocks that you're holding? Uh, so the fund's largest technology investment is a company called Dubber, which look after cloud call recording. So they're looking to disrupt that whole call recording market. So you pick up the phone, talk to a bank, insurance company at the moment, those phone calls are recorded mm-hmm. for compliance reasons. Yeah. And so Dubber, what's their, what's their market cap? What's their revenue? What can you tell us about that? Uh, so the, the company's performance has been quite good over the, the past 12 months. Market cap's probably around $240 million today. Annual recurring earnings, ARR, is probably around $10 million. And so at face value, 
one can look and say, oh, well, that looks a bit expensive, but it's really the last three or four years of them embedding that technology into a telco network, and that has just recently been turned on. In particular with Cisco, one of the world's largest tech companies have now taken that and are looking to roll that out globally. And their partners are also some of the other largest telcos in the world, AT&T, and et cetera. So this is a unicorn potential, Dubba? Yeah, I definitely think it's a, a unicorn mm-hmm. potential, even a, a multi-unicorn potential yeah. in, in our eyes. Yeah. And Craig, what else have you got in the, in the portfolio, in the tech stocks that, that you're following? One of the newer stocks we've added to the portfolio is a company called Vault Intelligence. Uh, it's another SaaS-style business in the health and safety risk management environment. Uh, and they have a technology on phones, mobiles, also as a wearable to protect the lone worker. If you fall over, um, it sends a, an alert out. It's health and safety. It's already on about a million people, eight countries, 400 enterprises, and it's um, really at the point where it's scaling. Probably grew it up 90% last year and will grow it over 100% this year. Mm. And what's their market cap, their revenues, size and scale of, of Vault? Yeah, it, it looks pretty undervalued at, at the moment. It's uh, market cap's sort of 40 to $50 million range. It's recently come out and said their ARR is currently running at around $11 million, but with pretty strong growth trajectory there. Yeah, okay. And Craig, technical investing is not just focused on technology stocks. Um, you'll, you'll invest in, in different areas as well. What's another area that you're focused on? What's another big idea that, that, um, that the fund is carrying? The thematic change for us, uh, we've been watching for some period of time is the commodity space. You know, commodities in general probably topped in 2008. So we did quite a lot of long-term cycle work. And that has been suggesting for a while that late 2019, early 2020 should be when the um, CRB index, which is a commodity index globally, uh, is looking to bottom. So we're looking uh, as that as an area to focus on in 2020. And when we look at actually what we think is happening in the world with huge stimulus, QE4 has really just started in the US, not a lot are talking about it. But uh, the amount of billions that are being poured into that at the moment, the US dollar has been on a strong upward trajectory and looks like it's potentially at that inflection point where it could be rolling over. And we're quite late cycle at this point in time. And what usually happens late cycle is we start to get some inflation starting to come through because of all the monetary stimulus. And that should be when the commodity cycle starts to to come up. So not only technically are we starting to see signs of that, particularly in the base metal space, so that's nickel, copper, et cetera. The copper chart is looking like it's also putting in some sort of bottom and could be starting to break up. So the fundamentals and the macro uh, technicals uh, point to us that we could be in a, a change in that commodity cycle. And this is largely on base metals, is that what you're focusing on? Correct. In nickel and copper and gold in particular, Australia has a strong history in that area and a a lot of resource companies are focused there. Gold is also has a very highly negative correlation to the US dollar. If you go back over the last 100 plus years, it's probably a 97% negative correlation. Last year was one of the only two years in history where they've actually both moved in the same direction. So we think that could be about to, uh, that, you know, that should revert to the mean, which means next year, if we think the US dollar is going to start to come off, you know, that should be bullish for gold, should be bullish for those base, base metal commodities as well. And Craig, going back to your 
very early investments in technology way back in the in the 90s. So one of the observations that you've made is certainly, you know, the, the, the emergence of the cloud and how that's transformative on many business models. You know, you've certainly been active in investment in technology. What's probably your best ever return on, on technology? We've probably had stocks that have gone up over 50 times in, in, in price, particularly in that tech boom period. So uh, yeah, it's definitely possible to find multiple 10 plus baggers in this space. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you're looking for in your technical investing fund, isn't it? Correct. We're looking at emerging growth companies, companies that are quite early in their trajectory. So we go back some time ago, we were early investors right when uh, Flight Centre listed at you know a dollar a share. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's trying to identify those shares that are early but have that growth potential to be multi-multi baggers over a period of time. Now they're going to be volatile, um, so one needs to sit through that volatility, but if they can continue to deliver, uh, then that can be maintained for a long period of time. Mm. And probably the best technology company in Australia that's delivered on that is a company called Altium, where in 2000 they were 5 or $6 a share, 2011 they were $0.08 a share. So 11 years lost a huge amount of money changed management, capped at $9 million at that point. Today, they're probably capped at over $4 billion. The share price has gone up over 400 times in price. And it's what's interesting in this space. You can identify a company, you bought them at $0.08 cents and they went to $0.80 cents and people think, okay, I've gone 10 times my money, I should be out of here. But particularly in software and technology, if they get that mix right, even investing after that huge increase from at $0.80 cents today, $36, you know, that, that's gone up another 40 odd times in price. So you don't have to be right at the bottom in these. And often it's once they've proved the model, proved the success, um, you can enter that trend. Mm. So what are your views on market volatility and, and, and what that's going to look like going forward? Our view is we're 10, 11 years into this cycle. Historically, if you go back, quite a few of these cycles tend to last around that 13-year period. So we, at the moment, still think we've probably got a couple of years or so to go. The last legs of those can be quite volatile. And when tops get put in, in markets, the markets tend to get more and more volatile. So you know, our short-term thesis is we think markets potentially have still got a little bit higher to go. We wouldn't be surprised to see late Q1, early Q2, we get a sharp pullback in the markets with a huge amount of cash on the sidelines and being the volatility would have only just started, we think you know, that's probably a point in time where the market should still trend back up into, into next year mm -hmm. before we um, reassess it. And this volatility creates great opportunities for you in terms of entry and exit points in and out of stocks? Yes, it can. It can do that. Uh, we tend to be longer term investors where we'll look to identify something early and enter it and hold it. But yes, if things move up too quickly on the upside, then we might take some of that position off and reposition it on that, on that volatility. Mm -hmm. And particularly in stocks that we like, that downward volatility can definitely give you a, a buying opportunity. Yeah. And with the ASX valuations, where do you see the index trending over the next year or so? How you value index is really based on interest rates and, and earnings. And at the moment, uh, interest rates are obviously extremely low. So whilst ever we think interest rates are low, trending down or remaining low, then the overall market PEs probably aren't expensive. There's obviously pockets in the market. Some of the WAC stocks, the high performing stocks are probably at quite high multiples and one needs to be cautious, but that some of those also offering quite strong growth. But overall, at the moment, with low interest rates, the market to us generally doesn't look 
expensive and there's particular areas like some resource stocks and some emerging growth companies, even in the tech space, still look like uh, they're underpriced to us. And Craig, you provide almost a, a Warren Buffett style commentary, which I've been uh, privy at reading from time to time, which are your thoughts and, and summaries on, on the markets as a whole. Included in those summaries are, are a whole heap of charts. And you know what I can see is that in uh, these long-term charts in world markets is they're, they're really peaking. With all this uncertainty, we've got Brexit, we've got an impeachment of a US president, we've got troubles in the South China Sea, the list goes on and on. Where do you think these, these world markets are heading? Our view at the moment is, again, markets are driven by earnings and interest rates. And at the moment, interest rates are incredibly low and there seems to be no desire for rates to move higher. Uh, in, in fact, there's a huge incentive for them to, to stay very low. If you look at uh, in 2000, the US had $6 trillion in debt, which and it had about 6% interest rate cost. So its cost was about $360 billion in interest servicing. Today, that $6 trillion in debt is now at $22 trillion, but the servicing cost has dropped to around 2%. So whilst we've had an almost four times increase in the debt, the servicing of those debts only gone from 360 billion to 450 billion. And so there's a huge incentive for the US and the Fed, et cetera, to keep those rates very low. So whilst those rates are low, uh, we think global markets will remain fine. Europe in particular is priced on a quite a low multiple. Emerging markets globally probably trade on like 14 and a half times PE with those countries being the highest growth countries in the world and priced on that sort of multiple. Globally, markets do not look expensive to us. If we start to see interest rates moving back up, then that's a major inflection point and will be a requirement for reassessment. But at the, at the moment, uh, that trend looks relatively flat. Whilst we may have bottomed in interest rates, we see no near-term push for those to, to move higher. Mm. So Craig, there's a lot that goes on in your stock selection process. You've got this, you know, this, this macroeconomic overview and great insights into international markets. You look at uh, deep dive into the fundamentals and get to know the management of the company. You overlay that with technical analysis as well. You've got great risk management systems in place, but it doesn't always go right, does it? No, definitely. And particularly if you want to invest in this emerging growth area, it really comes down to management. And sometimes the management doesn't deliver on what they expect. Sometimes management are actually doing a good job, but their business model uh, is not at the right time, is not the right business plan. And so some of these do, do fail. So for us, it's about building a basket of stocks where we know two or three of those just may not work at all. A small number may work okay. And then if we can get a reasonable number that work well and a couple that work extraordinarily well, then that's where you can generate the, the strong returns. But mm. uh, we're definitely not gonna get everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an area where there is, there is risk that you will get uh, a, a number of them wrong. Mm. And so what's an example of one that has been a bit disappointing in the fund? So at the moment, uh, another one of our technology companies where I think the technology is one of the best pieces of technology and opportunities I, I have seen is a, is a company called Linius, but it's one at the moment where it's taken longer for that technology to get distributed. Uh, they're looking to disrupt the whole video space mm-hmm. and it 
fact, it's one where it's just taking longer for that to happen. So, you know, we're probably down 50% on that investment at this point in time. Uh, if we go back to you know, our double investment, we were probably also went through periods of time we were down 50, 60% on that investment, and we're now up 400% on that investment. So we're sitting through that at this point, but, uh, you know, it's one where we're having to talk to management about is the structure right? Is the business plans right? Do we need any changes to management? And I think, you know, it, it's turning. But it's one at the moment, one could look and say, you know, we've got it wrong at this point. Mm. So, Craig, you, you see a couple of companies a day, several days a week for almost 30 years. So you spend a lot of time with management of, of companies that you're looking at investing in. What are some of the things that you're actually looking for in management? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think you need to see the alignment of management with shareholders' interests. So the, own, the ownership of the business, the KPIs, Management need to have a core skill set, and if there's skills that they're missing, that there's other people on the board or within the company that can, can fill those. Ideally, you need a history of delivering experience, and you need to be able to see that when management set expectations, they overachieve on those expectations. And just like anyone, you need to see you know, some trust, some credibility, some honesty, vision, that there's some strategic thinking there. And so that's what we need to see with management. Mm, fantastic. Well, Craig Sheaf, it's been great speaking with you and hearing a little bit more about your approach to investing over the last 30 years. Technical investing is your fund, which is certainly you know, this emerging growth fund. You're focused on technology. You're looking at resources at this stage of the cycle, but you're pretty agnostic to most sectors. Thanks very much and uh, 50% up uh, for this year. We'd love to speak to you again maybe in another year and see and see where things are landing. But uh, Craig, thank you very much. Thank you, Nigel, for having me along. <laughs>